Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Most Best Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Williams, and before anything, uh, an announcement. I'm denouncing last week's catchphrase. (laughs) I understand where Charlie was coming from, uh, but so far I've had no violent retribution, and I can't do an Irish accent, so we're we're just leaving that. So... Uh, this week's co-host with Mohost, before I introduce you to the good listening audience, what is the catchphrase? I am virgin, I am. <laughs> I am a virgin, I am. Excellent. Let's get you introduced to the good uh, listening public. So, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I think we've got quite a lot to cover. Yes. Who I have in front of me is a, a stand-up comedian who's uh, really quite quickly making a name for himself in the Cardiff comedy scene, uh, who has quite an interesting introduction to the world of comedy, which we'll go into in a lot more detail. Uh, but this week's co-host with the Mo-host uh, is my friend, Mr. Mike Powell. Oh, hello! Hello, everyone! Hey, this is, you know, this is interesting. This is my first podcast recording, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it should be good. It's it's just a, a little something for the ladies and gentlemen as well. It may sound a little different today. Uh, this is my first ever, second ever, but there is that lost episode with Shani Thomas, but this is my first <laughs> ever on-location recording. Yes, yes, he's in my humble abode here, you know, and in my lovely little back room I got uh, with all my stuff. I got too much stuff. I, I, I am I am a minor hoarder, I would say. It's, it's, <laughs> you should see the most best recordings to do. It is very much the same. I, at least you don't have like a, a death metal mannequin, which is something we have in... Uh, oh, that, that's what I was missing. Oh, God. That's what I was missing from this place. I would like to say, like I said, I am one of those who collects every wires, and I have wires from the 890s, so probably not even in use anymore. <laughs> but they might be. I might have an old VHS in the future. I don't know. <laughs> Mike's Museum of Redundant Formats. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so what we'd like to do uh, to introduce the good listening public to our co-host and mo-host at the top of each episode is a little segment called Dice to Meet You. Yay. Dice to Meet You. So, as I'm sure you're fully aware of the rules of Dice to Meet You, so uh, my co-host and co-host, explain to the good listening audience who may not be aware what we uh, what we mean by Dice to Meet yeah. You. For the f- fans of mine who will be listening for the first time, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, the d- uh, Dice to Meet You is that I roll a 20-sided die uh, to see how many words I can describe myself as, and we're all wishing for, like, Five or under. <laughs> no one's hit a 20 yet. Uh, Charlie, on last week's episode, had 17. I, yes. I say last week's episode. I think there may be an episode in between. I really, uh, I took a week off for my birthday. <laughs> uh, and I have absolutely boiled the running order. I had so much promise and so much routine with the podcast. Was, yeah. Give myself a week off and I have nothing. Well, no, like I said, you, sh- you should do it is don't mention the, <laughs> the weeks before podcast at all. <laughs> That's and then just record loads and then just edit it and then, and then say in the beginning that this is 17. It's yeah. far too late for that. No, I've, you've just stuck yourself in the corner now. Haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've come far too far to uh, put any further thought into uh, into it. So without further ado, I'm going to give uh, the, the psychedelic 20-sided die uh, provided by previous co-host of the Mohawks. I'm not going to say which episode, Charlie Hunt. Uh, And it's up to you to describe yourself in that many words. Are you ready, Mike Powell? Yes, I am ready. I've actually brought the dice with me all the way to Cardiff. Yes. That's how how dedicated I am. 
Ooh, 15. Ooh, 15, 15. That's words. probably the second highest. You know? <laughs> it's up there. I think it's up there. Sandro was in that air as well. Yeah. It, at least it's not one. There was a couple of weeks uh, in a row where it was just landing on one. And people were like, yeah, I am I, good. Yes. <laughs> okay, so describe yourself um, uh, as a person and a comedian. Uh, so I'd say... Uh, Charmingly depressive. See, I picked that one for two already. So you got two. <laughs> 30, uh, a 30-year-old virgin. 30-year-old virgin. So yeah, that's six. Six. Uh, who enjoys talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> uh, was about that 15? That, that was about, about 15. 15. That'll do. About 15 is all we can really ask for. <laughs> that's... One thing I love about you and your comedy, and we will talk a lot more about you as a comedian uh, coming up, yeah. but I love that that angle and your willingness to talk about it. Well, uh, yeah, well, how, me, be, be, me being a virgin, yeah. Just how upfront you are yeah. uh, with you as yourself. Um, I, I can imagine, I, I wouldn't know, I, I lost my virginity at like 22, so I was, I was quite... Late, yeah, for Swansea terms. Yeah, anyway. I know. <laughs> Swansea terms. You're an old. You should be having children. Oh God, yeah, down yeah. By then. No, it is annoying though when people do go up to. Oh, I lost my virgin was 18. It's like, yeah, two years after you're illegal. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I lost it when I was 16. I had to wait. It was like. Yeah, you were 16. You were just legal. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I had friends who, like, came out of the womb into another womb. And I've always fucking hated them for it. <laughs> That's a lovely image. <laughs> I'll leave that one with you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, you are someone, as I always appreciate about you, is very upfront. Not just about, as you say, yeah. uh, uh, being a third-year-old virgin, uh, but things regarding your mental health. Yes, yeah. Um, obviously, we live in an age now where it's a lot more encouraged and open to talk about it. Yes. And it's good to see that we've got people on the, the local comedy scene on the forefront of doing that. I, um, just to be as self-serving as I can, uh, I suffered with depression and anxiety issues for the majority of my 20s, uh, mm. early teens in my 20s, and didn't say a word to anyone, uh, internalized it all, and almost was the death of me. You know, it, yeah. it really, really really fucked me up in a big way just internalizing because it was that snowball effect of everything that you take on you take on you don't put back out and it grows and it becomes this big dark angry black ball inside you so it honestly um now that i'm in a position where i feel i'm more open to talk about it i love sitting down with people who like yourself who yes, are just sure. so willing and open to talk about it and get the discussion going well, it's mainly because i got nothing else to talk about so <laughs> Well, <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, I think maybe I've always been kind of more of an open person than some other people. I'm not saying I don't have any dark secrets, I do. But, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, but I am like, I think it came out when I was about 16, uh, the depression, anxiety, you know, GCSE times. It's, uh, it's a stressful time. It's a horrible time. Whose idea is to do, uh, oh, these important exams that will change your life forever and transfer a job? Do them while you're having your hormones going all over the place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You don't know. The only other requirement of that, you have to save a fucking life as well. I know. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, it's, it's, it makes no sense that, you know, we decide that's the time. It's 16. At least, I mean, other country's 18. At least, you know, we at least they give him a couple of years' wait. Uh, yeah. Go up a little bit. It's like, let the, let the, the hormone <laughs> levels go. Sell a little bit, uh, but um, no, um, it's but no. There's times I've kept it to myself. Yeah. Or, um, 
I find it hard to ask for help. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. Is that's a me thing? That's a depression thing? Or it, it could be like a sort of man. I think I think men find it hard to ask for help. You know, because it's kind of a pride thing. You know, and, but I just think. Well, you know, we'll get on to it. Uh, you know, I did kind of said, uh, I don't want to mention it now, but, you know, it's kind of out there anyway. So, <laughs> so I can't really hide it. <laughs> well, dude, as I say, I fucking applaud you for the openness and willingness you yeah. have to to get the dialogue going, especially yeah. as you say uh, the pride thing with men. Uh, yeah. It is a scourge uh, among men our age and younger. Uh, because you're 30, is that correct? So I'm, I'm uh, a year younger than you. Yeah, yeah, don't show off. <laughs> Just saying, you know. Um, that it's, you know, but mental health isn't talked about. Yeah. And that's really where uh, the the problem, I don't see if that's where the problem lies, but that doesn't help. No, it, it, well, especially men, um, you know, our age is the most likely way someone will die is suicide. Uh, it's just because people don't, open to talk about it and it's not just like oh i have depression anxiety we just are very good at just talking about anything emotional just, yeah, you know, yeah i feel a bit upset today is that all right you know <laughs> yeah uh, put on a brave face and carry, carry on, on yeah you know go down the pub have a few drinks uh and then pretend everything's all right when everything's not and that was my 20s yes <laughs> that was self-medicate <laughs> yes uh i don't want to spout that as uh good advice for the, no. for the <laughs> audience but I, uh, lucky for me that I am not a big drinker. I've never been a big drinker. Um, it's, my dad doesn't drink, so I think I never grew up with drink. I say I don't drink. I do drink, but it's, I find after a few drinks, I get really depressed. Yeah, it, it'll I, have that effect. It, it is a depressant, and uh, you know, maybe one or two slights off that nerves you got. Uh, but then after a few, it's like I'm not. I'm not a going out person. I'm. I love this. Is brilliant. Just talking to someone is great. But going out, dancing, and Things. Dancing isn't uh, something I'd ever really <laughs> involve myself in, but uh, I, as you say, it, it's funny to bring it up. You say um, in the house you grew up in, alcohol was never really that prevalent. No, no, uh, uh, no my dad did smoke. Um, so I have the, one of the few communities of the circuit whose uh, dad didn't leave them. It was my mum, so oh. I was brought up as my single dad. I mean, it's complicated. So I would oh, say my mum. When your mum left, like you know, it's a complicated, you know. You know, and I, I'm still in contact with mum. I got, I got one full sister, and I got three half sisters. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. so the only male around <laughs> when it comes to the siblings. Uh, but yeah, but my dad didn't smoke, didn't drink. So in the household, it's only food was our vice, and that's why I'm <laughs> 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 what I am. But um, yeah, so and like I said, I do drink, but it's just like I never drink uh, doing comedy. I, I think there's a fear of me that if I start doing it, that it become a <laughs> this is something um, I've, I've started talking with more comedians about, uh, only because I'm the opposite of you. I uh, came from a household where alcohol was very prevalent. Now, I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on my parents. Uh, my dad still drinks daily, but he holds it together. He's well-retired. He's comfortable. Unfortunately, my mum passed away when I was younger. She admittedly did have her troubles with alcohol, mm. but uh, it is something that I've always been around. So... I do drink quite a lot. I, as you may know from the podcast, most podcasts start with me talking about how hungover I am. Um, but same way uh, you were just saying about drinking on stage. Yeah. I have done that in the past. It, it was my mm. thing. I'd have a few and then go up. Uh, and then I found out from most people I've spoken to that, that that isn't the done thing. No. I always thought it would be. Um, 
I think because we've heard the stories. And we've heard the stories that and you just fear that you're like, oh, I'll just have a drink to go on stage. Then one drink's not going to be good enough. You have two drinks, and you have two. Three, it'll just snowball. I, you know, you know, people. I know many in the circuit have had alcohol issues and stuff. As yeah. Well, you know, so uh, and they've gone clean, and you know, and you just don't want to get. Best not to go down that road in the first place. I think it's just. Yeah. And it's, I, I have a drink afterwards, and you know, and chat, and it's actually the best thing about comedy is that you start talking to all the comedians afterwards and. You know, you go, the social oh, aspect. Yeah, the social aspect is really good, and it's the kind of social aspect I really like, where you just sit around and chat, and whether it's about comedy or other thing crop up, but it's great. Um, but you know, but I, I, I think I've told myself I never drink before, before going on. I'm limiting myself uh, to one before going on yeah. from now on, yeah. um, just to to loosen myself up, if mm. anything, but not to. Uh, uh, there's been some times at uh, Rough As when I was in Mozart's where I'd be going on late. For some reason, I think it's because I used to live five minutes up the road from where the gig was. Yeah. So everyone's like, yeah, Zach goes on late in the third. Yeah. I have to get up for work at half six, <laughs> but I never had the guts to <laughs> get oh, Can I go home because I have an early night? Yeah. Exactly. Even though I'm only five minutes down the road, everyone has to get a train at half ten because Swansea's transport's terrible. <laughs> exactly. So I used to end up then, as you say, you have one. <laughs> <laughs> then the buzzer's gone, so I'd have two. And by the time I'd go up, I'd be quite pissed. And my set would go out the window, and I'd yeah. just... Yeah. I'd try do my set, but it would be awfuls of... Um, fuck, uh, what was that joke? Uh, look at my hand, look at my notepad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, for my own sake, if I want to have any chance of continuing doing so, I need to just actually <laughs> yeah. pay attention. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that's the other thing. It's like... Well, as me as a comedian, I'm quite... I would say I'm loose as, as a little bit as well. I'm not... Because I haven't been doing it that long, I don't think I've gone tight on my sets and stuff. Uh, but I think you still need to know what you're going to say. Yeah, I think that's the important <laughs> thing. Whether uh, like I like going off tangents and stuff and crowd interactions, I love that. But you need to know what you're going to do <laughs> when we get on there. <laughs> you need a framework. Yeah, yeah. So, talking about framework, uh, I'm going to refer to the framework. I, I've actually set up frameworks for these episodes now, Mike. I may oh, not be oh a, wow. <laughs> I, I may not be a great comedian, but god damn it, am I a mediocre podcaster. <laughs> uh, so, what I wanted to talk to you, um, firstly, I say firstly, we're already a quarter of an hour into the episode, is you as a comedian have an amazing story as to where you got your start. And I really want to pluck your brains about this. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so tell the, the good listening audience where you got your start in stand-up comedy, if they're unaware. Oh, yeah, okay. So those who are unaware, um, I, my start on stand-up comedy is I was in a BBC documentary called uh, Rod Gilbert's Stand-Up to Shyness, uh, which was on BBC One Wales first, and then they put it on BBC Two uh, nationally. So that was my ah, first. and... If you haven't seen it, I believe it's available on iPlayer and YouTube. Uh, I think it's just gone off iPlayer. Oh, really? Uh, they repeated it like over a month ago, and it only stays for three days. Uh, but I think someone sneakily put it on YouTube. So um, I didn't say anything about uh, Dan. <laughs> I'm, I'm not encouraging watching it on YouTube at all. Uh, uh, but if iPlayer are going to make it inaccessible, and no, someone's, yeah, someone's uh, been forthright enough to put it on YouTube. YouTube. Um, but I watched it um, when we uh, decided we were going to talk about it on this episode. And I have to say, it was an absolutely uh, an amazing watch. If you have the chance to see it, I'm not saying go watch it on YouTube. Go watch it on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so... 
run down the basic premise then. What what was the the documentary about? Oh, so the documentary about is um, so his name is about Rod Gilbert's um, social anxiety and shyness he's had over the years, and you you start him seeing him about. Um, it's great when he shows up his photographs and he's not looking at the camera at all of any of his pictures. I was shocked by that, <laughs> yeah. especially when you see him on stage. Uh, he yeah. is someone with so much perceived bravado. He, yes. he really owns a stage when he's on it. So I to find out that he did struggle that level with so much social anxiety was fascinating. And even as much as when he sits down with his friends in the pub and describes mm. it to them, going back to what we were saying about male bravado mm. and... Uh, hiding these things, you could see from a lot of his friends going, you, you struggle with social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 the great one is when he met uh, Greg Davis in the documentary. And yeah. He goes to Greg Davis, oh, I was I was here about talking about my shyness. He goes, I thought you were going to talk about my shyness, Greg Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know you were shy. I, it's like, so that was a great part. And then we were just like, I just thought you were a bit aloof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as you say, it's it's about Rod. Uh, we can call him. Well, you can call him Rod. I call him Rod. Can, I'll call him Mr. Mr. Gilbert. Mr. Gilbert here. <laughs> so it's about Mr. Gilbert uh, talking about his uh, issues with social anxiety, how it's affected him growing mm. up, uh, how it's affected him professionally as a performer. But what he uh, was interested in looking into was uh, can stand up help people with social anxiety and shyness. Uh, to blossom, to come out of their shell. Uh, now, on the documentary, and this is what I want to question uh, you about, on the documentary, he sets up a Facebook page, puts yes. it on the internet, and all of a sudden, all these faces start uh, popping up. One of the one of them being the face I see in front of me, <laughs> uh, responding uh, as part of this quote-unquote social experiment to see if stand-up comedy can yeah, cure yeah. shyness. Is that how it happened? Did you find it through a Facebook page? Uh, no, not exactly. So... Um, it wants it through a Facebook page, but not his one. Okay. <laughs> so basically, I'm uh, with a um, social anxiety support group called SWATS. Uh, okay. So, and basically what we do is just a bunch of us with anxiety and depression and mental health issues. We just go out and do stuff like bowling. Uh, it's just we feel more relaxed. Yeah. Because we have other people with the same uh, condition. So, uh, so they got... The producer contacted them, and I think they contacted Dan, who runs uh, Swads. He was a good friend of mine as well. Shout out, Dan. Yeah, shout out for you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so uh, they got contacted through the Facebook page, and I think he put something up, like, oh, this person's interested on people with anxiety issues to do stand-up. And actually, at the time, I was on a real low. Uh, some family issues, uh, yeah. which I don't delve into and stuff. And I think it was a bit of, well, it's a shot of something <laughs> to get something me out of Something to do, yeah. Yes, yeah. get me out of this rat I was in. I, I, was, I was off sick of work at the time. and So it, uh, it was a particular low point yeah. for you. Um, and is it something you feel has helped? Because I know I can never remember her name. Uh, one of the other comedians you were with on the documentary. I've seen gigging around the circuit. Uh, Kate. Kate. Yeah. And one of the other ones I haven't seen do it since. No, Jodie hasn't done it since. Um, she said she's a bit more confident and stuff. And she, I did mention she did really like doing it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Kate, Kate is spraggly doing it. I think, uh, and she finds the traveling difficult. Um, but I said just, it's lots to do in Swansea. It's more to do comedy in Swansea than it is in Cardiff, I find. Especially on the, on the open mic side. Because of Rafa's. Yeah, yeah. It's time to pick up a lot more. Um, but as I say, you are 
seemingly someone who did it to get yourself out of, you know, as you say, that desperately low situation. But it seems to have sparked something in you because you have run headfirst into comedy. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, too fast, probably, first time. Because I. <laughs> well, and it, it wasn't the comedy, but like I said, I was, I was on the low. So basically, I had like the lowest thing happening in my life and the best thing that's happening in my life all at the same time. And I was doing the comedy like quite hard on after the, the documentary. But um, but then around Christmas time, I was just shut off. And I couldn't get out of the house for like months and months after. Uh, and I think it's just my body just couldn't take the high and low at the same time. I was going to say, obviously, uh, you know, you, <laughs> when your first actual gig was uh, put on by Rod Gilbert and the BBC. Yes. With some incredible um, comedians on the bill. Because I saw um, Sarah Breeze and Stephen Evans were both on the bill. Yes, yeah, Stephen Evans, uh, Jenny Collier was there. Cal Stewart, but they didn't put him up on the screen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the tab bit about that. He's got the credit, though. So, like, you Good can on say. Him. Uh, you got TV credit there, Cal. Uh, <laughs> Is there going to be an episode of this podcast where Cal Stewart doesn't come up? That's what I'm No, no. To be honest, he is the most transcendent comedian around uh, <laughs> in the Cardiff circuit. Well, that's the nicest thing that's been said about him on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, no, I, 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 I he's a lovely bloke. Uh, and, you know, I think... Uh, I've heard rumours uh, circulating. <laughs> we put the rumour mill to bed. Um, but is it, as you say, what you're saying about then at Christmas time, obviously being alone, was it uh, the inevitable crash of the wave, as it were? Because you came up massively yeah. high, and then it's almost a, although you were still gigging, it's back to normality. You're not being followed by BBC <laughs> camera crew. So, so, no, no. <laughs> no I, I think it was... I needed a break for, for Christmas time, but like I said, I had a lot of family issues. Christmas was a nice time. There's also my birthday's on Christmas Day. So ah, not the, the only, second coming. Yeah, I'm not the only one though. Uh, Tom Evans is on Christmas Day too. Oh really? This is how we met. First time we met each other uh, was in um, so it was after the documentary. I went to a comedy gig. Uh, it was in Cardiff in November, and it was a it was a comedy gig that like stand up and then some picking out things that I had topics to talk about. And one was, what's the famous song at Christmas? And he like, said it was a Christmas song. I forgot which one it was. Because it all because I was born on Christmas Day. And he goes, ah, I was born on Christmas Day too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually now know like three people born on Christmas Day. I think we should just start a little club. <laughs> Apart from um, my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I, no, I'm joking. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I, do I know anyone born on Christmas? And if you are someone I know... Someone I know dearly, a relative maybe, who's listening, going, yeah, yeah, Zach, I'm born on Christmas. I apologise. I just, I just forgot because it's Christmas. <laughs> that happens a lot. I get too wrapped up in just despising Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It's, it's, it, not, it's not Christmas Day. I like Christmas Day. I hate the four months leading oh, up to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, when the shops say, it's, uh, it's June now. Don't forget, Christmas is coming. <laughs> so my birthday is the day before Halloween. Uh, yeah, uh, so it always seems to be like, ah, oh, it's my birthday, and as soon as my birthday's done, it's Christmas because yeah, yeah, yeah. all the Halloween stuff's out of the shops. We don't have Thanksgiving in this country, so there's no go between. Apart from Guy Fawkes Night, which is basically just celebrating a failed terrorist plot, <laughs> uh, and then it's straight into Christmas. John Lewis adverts bunt in the works. Um, yeah, but you get it in September. That's the thing. Yeah, like, the other holidays just seem to go. Oh, it's Halloween, but don't forget it's Christmas as well coming and. I, I, I think maybe we get older. Oh, it's more and more. When you're a kid, you, 
I don't even notice. Well, you're it's Christmas. It's like, oh, Santa's coming, presents. Yeah, uh, you just bounce <laughs> off the walls. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get disappointed and Santa never gives you the same the present you want. <laughs> Which is always to me that I always wanted, and I got one here now. I wanted to, but when I was young, I wanted like a normal, a good sized pool table, but I never got one. No. What I, because I love snooker. Snooker was like, okay. My, snooker cricket was like the two sports I really love. Um, and I never got those, I always got the tiny table. Yeah, the one that you can flip over and is like a football table on the other no, side. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it was like this tiny. Um, so it's about a size. Well, I'll say it's about probably a little longer than a foot long. Yeah, uh, and you, you know, it was just got, you know, I think you will notice. You've probably seen them in Poundland now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it cost them ten pounds, it nice. <laughs> but always come with a rest and spider, which was make no sense. That's a very, very good point. I mean, <laughs> that is. A uh, piece of sporting equipment solely designed to uh, serve a purpose, which is not being able to reach your shot. Uh, when your arm is three <laughs> times the length of the table, it, yeah, it, it does yeah, absolutely do yeah, no, <laughs> So, yeah. So, that's, yeah. So, that's like, watch well, how, how, how um, yeah. Santa is real, though. Kids. <laughs> no, he's not. He was. Uh, he died in the same car accident as Mark Boland. Because oh! uh, he was my Santa, so fuck you. If my, my Santa dies, your Santa dies too. <laughs> so, um, completely off topic, but going back, you were contacted um, to take part, or to see if you'd like to take part in this. Was stand-up comedy something you were ever interested in doing beforehand? I, I, it's one of those when you look back on it goes why didn't I think about it before yeah because I think I've, I've had like a little inkling I, like I met someone uh, who did a little bit uh, but it was nothing like really forefront but then I look back and said when I was a kid the next thing I watched was comedy what was your favourite comedy growing up oh I used to stay up to watch Seinfeld I never got into Seinfeld no no because it was very hard because it was on BBC 2 at like midnight and me and my dad used to stay up to watch Seinfeld together. That was like one of the things that me and my dad did. It was, I, I don't know. It's I, I'm sure if I revisited it now as an adult, I appreciate a lot more. But as a kid, I just I, I don't know. I, th- I, I think my parents watched it. Hmm. Um, but same in my house, it was it was all either uh, my dad's war documentaries he was watching or comedy. <laughs> well, it was me. It was I was Star Trek, um, and usually it was Star Trek like. Deep Space Nine, Next yeah. Generation, you know, like not the original Star Trek, because that was always on around. So it was like Simpsons. So if I could, it was Simpsons, and it was just like a, a sci-fi program, like Star Trek or Sliders. I used to love Sliders. Name rings a bell. It's the one they used to go to different universes. Yes! Yes! yes. yes. I forgot about that. Oh, that was an amazing uh, program. Uh, and then, yeah, it would have been, I would... Things I got interested in like history, science, documentary. Never hate soaps. Never watch soaps. No, he uh, doesn't strike me as an EastEnders man. No. Well, this <laughs> is not an EastEnders man. It's so fucking depressing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can sit down and watch a bit of Coney Street because it's actually pretty fun. And Emmerdale's over the top. The shit. <laughs> but EastEnders is that kind of... And it also is not London. What kind? It's very white London that doesn't exist. It's also a very um, community spirit, which just doesn't exist in London. No, I think this community spirit exists in London. Uh, I mean, I started travelling more to London uh, with the comedy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But 
you know, he's just very white. It's, just, it's like one ethnic family in there. What the <laughs> it's not London. It's, like <laughs> it's not appropriate representation of the general British public today, is what you're trying to yes. say. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it's kind of, maybe it was London like 30 years ago, but it's not London now. No. And, yeah. There we go. That's the official uh, new Most Best campaign. Let's get equal <laughs> representation on EastEnders. Yes. Stop whitewashing <laughs> this tiny little... Is it? I was about to say South London. It's called EastEnders. Yeah. Fuck sakes. It has been a long day. I, I woke up... Let's say South East London. Let's South East London. <laughs> I woke up early to um to watch the, the cinematic masterpiece that was 2017's The Mummy reboot. Yes. First and last movie of Universal's Dark Universe. There's going to be an entire episode on this coming up, so don't you worry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of in a wash of... Tom Cruise jumping away from explosions and bad CGI zombies <laughs> at the moment. So I apologize if I seem a little distracted. <laughs> so going back to the documentary, the last thing I want to know about it really is, uh, has it helped your self-confidence? Yes. I, I, on the round, yes. I think, um, first of all, it's, it's, I could say I'm a comedian, which is, sounds strange, but it's, it's a nice narrative frame to put yourself in. I think, you know, before I was like, oh, I was working in Tesco, I was working, you know, it, it, is it like a sense of identity yeah, that yeah. maybe was lacking beforehand? Yes, yes. Um, you know, it's a nice, easy icebreaker to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a conversation yeah. starter. Especially because I go, oh, my first gig was for Roddy Gilbert's documentary. You should do podcasts. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so yeah, I think it has helped overall. I'd be done. I'm starting running a gig in Cardiff now, uh, Range for a Laugh, which I have. Giving Zach a lovely spot for it in the next coming few weeks. That's going to be my first ever out of Swansea stand-up show. Yeah, I, I only ever really do uh, open mics around Swansea and the occasional show that someone as good as yourself takes yes. pity on and throws me on the bill for. The, and, 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 and to me, this is the open spot, and the open spot is to encourage people to do more. And, I, and like you're, you're one, I think you're really good. I see you. Oh, thank you very much. And, you know, you make me laugh anyway. I don't know anyone else. <laughs> hey, if I get one person laughing, I'm happy with that. So I'm like, but you're only sticking to the other mic and Swansea and stuff. And it's just like, give, give yourself a little push. It's- I really want to. That's my plan for the coming year. Yes. Um, as I was bragging about earlier, I'm 29. I'm 30 in October coming. Mm-hmm. So I want to uh, really push myself in regards to creative exploits. I've always been someone who will... Focus more on creative outputs than just sit around like playing video games, for example. Yes, yes. Okay. I only yesterday finished um, Sony PlayStation's Marvel Spider-Man on the PS4. I got it on release day, and I've only just finished. Well, no, I, I, I don't play video games now. No, now. I mean, like, like I, say, I do have like a range of consoles, um, so I love video games. But I'm, I'm just to the comedy now. I don't have the exactly. time now, and yeah, oh, and then it's like also the money. I don't have the money. No, no. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. In between um, the podcast, the stand-up, I play in a couple of bands. I do some illustration, but nowhere near as much as I used to. Uh, that's what I want to focus on this coming year. Is even if it's just picking one to put my main focus in, or just putting more focus in all yes, of them. Yeah, you know, separate myself between them. I I want to come away next year with a sense of achievement that I'm 
further afield in these things than I was than I am now. Yes. Because yeah. it's very much now just something I do to pass the time yeah. where I want to, you know, I'm not saying I want to be live at the Apollo <laughs> or anything like that, but just to have uh, some steam behind it. Yeah, no, just get like a regular amount of gigs going and you're going, oh, you know, I'm doing this. And like I aim to do two week uh, stand up gigs um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm traveling further now. That's, I think that's the thing that's probably pushed more. So I've done a few gigs in London now. Nice. Uh, I did one in Sheffield the, uh, the other day. That was a weird one. Uh, it was like 12 people there. Okay. <laughs> so like, I traveled several hours to do this gig. But it's, I did it just, it's a good way just to talk to people, other comedians and their fans. Entirely. Yeah, networking, basically, if I did what's in the scene, it's like, and stuff. But um, it was like 12 people there. Half of them were Chinese international students. Well, I don't think spoke much English. Okay. <laughs> so it was a really weird gig. And how did you go over? Oh, well, quite well to the people who could speak English, so that's... Fair enough. <laughs> um, what you were saying about travelling and networking, I completely understand, because with my old band, Dividers, I used to play in, it's like mm. a, a punk band. Yeah. Started getting uh, some regular gigs across the country. Uh, the furthest we travelled for one, I finished work at 7 o'clock on a Friday, mm. went to band practice with my other band till about 10, then me and my guitarist went to the pub till about half one. He had to go home, so I went to Sin City, where the guitarist of my other band was. Uh, we had two pints there, got picked up at half two in the morning, drove all the way to Dundee, played a 15-minute <laughs> set with our band, and drove all the way back there. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the thing. It's like, it's, it's not glamorous. It's not. I, it's, not at all. No. I mean, I don't drive, so it is me, megabussing or nationally caressing app. Or seven hours on a coach. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually, to be honest, I quite like that I don't drive because at least I can take a coach. At least I can just switch off. <laughs> Gives you more preparation time yeah. as well. I don't drive either. Yeah. So I, I understand that. Like on the way up uh, here to record, luckily I had all my podcasting yeah. stuff with me. So I was just, I had an hour of free editing time. Yeah. So headphones on, just edited through an episode I'm working on, which normally on the day to day, I'd be hard pressed to find that hour where I could just sit down and solidly edit an episode so I was chuffed with that uh, I don't think legally you can get away with editing podcasts while driving so <laughs> that's, that's a hurdle we're going to have no. to jump when we get to it until they get automatic cars sorted out then uh... they should do goddamn automatic podcast editing <laughs> <laughs> come on AI could do that come on <laughs> I'm sure there's people you can pay to do it but as you said money isn't something that I have so uh, I don't want to go pay also it's a skill you're learning so you know that's that's Thing is, as well, so. my brother is uh, an audio engineer. He runs his own <laughs> audio engineering company, does recordings, mixing. Uh, so I really should be either just shipping it off for him to do uh, or uh, just picking his brains. Quick plug, Sunnyvale Studios. If you ever need on-the-fly DIY recording in the South Wales area, Sunnyvale Studios. Are <laughs> um, we paying you for that uh, advert? No. <laughs> He helped me write and record the jingle for the... For oh, the uh, okay, okay. It's about uh, time, I think. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, very much like I've done with you today. He has, like, uh, it, it's a lot more elaborate than this, but like a fully uh, transportable recording studio. <laughs> so as long as you can find a space, he can uh, bring it and record you pretty cheaply as well. Mm. Uh, you know, compared to renting a studio, you're, you're, an no, audio you're. engineer and everything. So Sunnyvale Studios, uh, <laughs> give them your business. So what we'll do now, Mike, 
is a little something, another segment. I'm, I'm really getting into introducing <laughs> segments. Ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you're aware, there is a secret second member of the Most Best podcast currently uh, sunning it up in Cyprus uh, by the name of Captain Criminal Chris Waters. You uh, you may know him as a previous co-host of the Mohost. He was also a uh, guest member of the At The Time Of Recording podcast that I used to be involved in. But what I do is each week I get uh, my good friend Captain Criminal Chris Waters to send in a question for the co-host of the Mohost to see if they can answer Captain Chris's big question. <laughs> I actually have a backlog because, as I say, I took a week off uh, mm. of recording and editing for my birthday, and Chris didn't. Chris is away working in Cyprus <laughs> and is just bombarding me with questions. So we could always double up on the big question depending how they go. Yeah. But the first question, Chris, would like the answer for from you is: What is the funniest thing you've ever seen in person? In brackets, i.e., not on TV, YouTube, or a movie. Oh. Oh, in person. In person. <sighs> that is... I really think about that one. That's the beauty of Captain Chris's big question. It opens up a whole... And this is like seeing, as in, not, not it happened to me. <laughs> as long as you found it funny, it could happen to you. Uh, like, not the time, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. That's... I can't... Yeah, yeah, that is... Would you like to sideline that question and go for a different one. I do have another one in the chamber if you'd like to try that Yeah, instead. yeah, yeah, because I, I can't... Well, there's probably something there, and it's just like... So, uh, Captain Chris would like to know, money being no object, what would be the most extravagantly useless thing you would buy? Oh, useless. <laughs> he says, basically, cars and houses have a use. What's something you'd want insanely expensive but serves no use to anyone? For example, Captain Chris would buy a to-scale T-800 Terminator exoskeleton. <laughs> a useless thing. I would... Right. No money's no object. Anything you want. Uh, as long as it serves no purpose other than making you happy. This is just making me happy. So what I would do is I would buy a sports team, but an obscure sport from another country. <laughs> and transport it just for me. Because I love sport. I love weird sports. Would I, they continue to play the sport, or was it just so you could have your own personal sports team? Yeah, so I'll get the Kabaddi sports team in India. Like like the Delhi, I don't know, like they've got like Delhi, Delhi like Kabaddi team. I, I'm Trans not even aware of what that is. Yeah, oh, Kabaddi's great. Kabaddi is, um, it's, it's like tag meets British Bulldogs. Okay. <laughs> so so what you got to do, you got, so you got a team. And one person, they're like in two halves. And one person goes into the, the opposition's half, only one person. And what they got to do is tag them. And then once they tag them, they have to run back before they tackle them down. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. Like you, you, I saw the Kabaddi World Cup was on like Sky Sports or Eurosports. Or something. It, was like, it was like. Definitely have to check that out. Yeah, that check it out. Yeah, so yeah. you would buy your own team. As I say, would they continue to play the sports? Yes. Then it's no, the purpose. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Ah, so oh, oh, right. this is where he gets. You can't use it, but only me watching it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, what, I what the most useless thing? Because, like I said, but the, the, like, is is Terminator Esquisel is, is the purpose of his pleasure? So. Yeah, you don't want to know what Chris would do to that exercise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
It didn't say anything about sexual conquest in his notes. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything else useless? Completely, utterly useless. It is a hard question. I'm trying to think what I would buy, and I'm coming up pretty short on an answer. I know, it is useless. I'll buy a train, but no track. <laughs> Damn, there we go. <laughs> just be there <laughs> just to live in I just say I own a train um, <laughs> ah actually yeah I was going to say if you live in that then serves purpose the best. but just to go I own, a, I own a train just to say you own a train uh, that is perfectly within the remits of the question what would I buy I would I, I, it's a really tough one I've got to take it uh, take my hat off to Chris on this one this is a bloody hard question <laughs> Um, everything it turns out serves a purpose if you're willing to eat food off it or put your dick in it. So <laughs> I would buy. I I don't know. I would buy Captain Chris. I don't know what his price is, but money's no object, and I would use him for nothing. He can go about his daily business. I would profit from it in no way, just to know that he is beholden to me. <laughs> just about, I just found the most useless thing you can still buy, which is. Buying a star. Buying a star. Oh, the fucking get your name on your star. Like, oh, that's my star. In <laughs> the future, when space travel is readily available, uh, mm. our distant, 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 distant offspring uh, are... In high court, claiming ownership of a star, <laughs> which I could feasibly right now go on Google and buy a star oh, and call it, like, John O'Scroats or something. <laughs> Is that then legally going to hold up? In yeah. Court? Uh, oh, someone buying you can buy land on the moon. Someone is selling like someone is selling land on the moon. How you have no legal right? No, to no, that? he has no legal right to this moon, and this is the argument that no one owns the moon. But then who does have legal right once we start colonizing the moon? I mean, this is it's just the art, the problem with property. Is it the first people who get there? Because it's it it's the well, what property is is violence. <laughs> Essentially, well, what probably is is whoever can keep hold of it got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, we're just gonna have a war on the moon, and then someone will go, "Oh, this is my moon." And, you know, I think this is, this is my philosophy, and this is where I go. I'm against. Uh, so, I would say politically, I'm left leaning. Yeah. Well, you're a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few right wing comedians about. No, yeah. I don't. <laughs> um, but um, um, but no, I would say um, they usually drive in taxis. No. <laughs> oh my god! I was listening to you. Oh, yes. don't get me started on racist taxi drivers. <laughs> well, the, uh, about taxi drivers, they come in two sorts. So either they're racist or ethnic. Same that <laughs> I had a, a very very uh, liberal on the level uh, taxi driver recently, and oh. honestly took me back. Like, oh, you're white and liberal. <laughs> but he was saying, because um, Swansea at the moment is just roadworks. It's nothing but roadworks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was, we were just, you know, as you do, oh, bloody roadworks. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that it is, because he drives a lot of uh, city council people from Swansea. Uh. And apparently it's the last of the Brexit money. We're <laughs> just spending money. it all now. Just, oh, what are we going to spend it on? I don't know. Just. <laughs> exactly, you know, we have a small period of time where we can milk this cash cow. So let's just give uh, give Kingsway on uh, in Swansea another facelift, third one in about four fucking years. Um, but he was, not, and we got discussing politics, which is always very dangerous with a taxi driver. 
But it turns out that we were very much on the same ah. level. I'm very, very... Uh, I wouldn't say very, very, but I'm left-leaning. I, no, no, no. There's one of me, okay. So, I, uh, this is the thing. And it's, it's something I'm actually trying to move towards with my comedy, is to do a bit more political, yeah. uh, philosophical stuff. Because that's probably the biggest thing I'm most interested in. Um, but I say left, but I don't think there is a left and a right. I And... What it is is well, I believe more in the political compass. There is authoritarian and libertarian, and I would, I'm definitely much more libertarian. Uh, and there's a left and a right when it comes to economics, as in, do you think it's state intervention or do you let the markets do what you want? And to be honest, I could, I could see the side of the markets do what you want, but I think kind of they're both wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the thing. I think it's like you've got to find the balance. Just because there's two defined options, you. I'm the same. I don't <laughs> yeah. feel you should throw yourself under one blanket, oh, as yeah. it were. I, and I think it's but it's come worse. We're much more divided. And uh, I think we're social media, but it's not. I think we're in a time now, as in we're in a time where everything's up in the air. Our values, everything is up in the air. And we don't know where we're going. So we've got people looking back. I think a lot of people are looking back. So either they're looking back to kind of an old left uh Way and I don't mean it has to be like a communist way, but like the old Keynesian economics yeah. intervention way. And there's other ones looking at um, like, oh, let's go back to you know when empire nation building. So you got the, the nationalists coming out, and this is because we don't know how, the future is completely different, and we know that we feel it. You know, even though like unemployment's not too bad in like especially in America. Here's well, we've got issues. <laughs> uh, but it's not too bad in America. Uh, but they don't feel like it's going the right way. So why did they think that? Well, I think they know that something, and I think it's that as well. I think it's something fundamentally is changing to the uh, nature of the economy and the nature of society. So with the internet and, you know, 3D printing and <laughs> all the <was>, cars. <laughs> I agree in as much as, um, obviously there's that saying, uh, you, oh, those who uh, don't learn the mistakes of history are deemed to repeat them. Oh, yeah. That's not to say that the future is going to be an analogue of past events. No. But you need to learn from the experiences to take on what is coming. Because, as you say, yeah. we don't know what no, is coming. Uh, yeah, what you look back at is the Industrial Revolution. What you look back at, but don't forget that uh, China is just doing its Industrial Revolution now. I mean, as in people going from rural to urban. And while in developed countries, we're in the post-industrial revolution. What are we, what is next? Um, and, you know, and then because of globalization, it's changed the way people think about things. And this is why you get this very big split between uh, kind of urban, suburban uh, people who actually have grown up with people from other places. And then you got uh, more rural um, or the old industrial towns. Um, they move more towards the right because, you know, they they lost a lot from, from the globalization, and there's something we should talk about. But I think you know, you know, but they see um, they're losing something, and they want to keep hold of it. I, I know it's very much uh, in the throes of. Uh, like local pride, as it were, because mm. it is such a close knit community. They don't want yeah. that to change. Yeah, and this is something I, you know, as I say, I grew up in punk rock circles. I was yeah. very like yeah. as a kid. Uh, and one thing I've taken away from that is uh, I fundamentally disagree with uh, national identity. 
Yeah. In as much as, you know, when you, uh, obviously, you know better than anyone, you live right by the bloody stadium. Oh, yeah. Match day in Cardiff. I was up on Saturday and <laughs> Cardiff and Wales were playing. Sound centre was an absolute <laughs> nightmare. But you get all these people walking around in their Welsh rugby tops with their daffodils and things. And yes, it's okay to be proud of where you're from. But isn't that then just the jumping off point for, like, national pride? Uh, and surely by being proud of where you're from, you see it in a higher regards than you see other places. And therefore, it is literally the birthplace of like, xenophobia and racism. Oh, no, no. Because it's, it's like, what's the difference between tra- patriotism and nationalism? Yeah. And patriotism is the love of one's country and nationalism is the hatred of others countries so um that's but this is like i said but, but when it comes to wales so i i think we need to be more i think we need to be more proud of of, of being welsh i think there's a lot of things that we're very so we do the match day and we do the rugby but other than that we think english should do everything for us and that's weird and i think like like the question of welsh independence is like it doesn't really matter to me as such, but I think that Wales needs to be as bold as Scotland at least to go, yeah, we could do it. <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I want. It's just like Wales to go, yeah, yeah, we could do it if we want to. Maybe we don't want to, but we could do it. Just take a stab at it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and also we could get a lot more out of England, which is be nice. But uh, no, this kind of, like, the one I hate is we're too poor to be independent, mm. which makes no sense. Because there's a lot more poor countries that are independent. <laughs> uh, but are they worse off for being independent? Well, no, that, that's the thing. But also, that sounds like a reason to leave. What, to get more poor? No, if, no, if, I, if, no, if we, no. <laughs> okay, what I say, say we're too poor to be independent. Sounds like a reason to leave. We're too poor. We have, it's not working for us. If we were really rich and we had both, <laughs> all of yeah. the art, yeah, we could stay in England. Yeah, <laughs> with England. <laughs> I, yeah, I've never really thought about the whole Welsh independence thing. I, I've got some friends who are, mm. you know, very, very, very oh, poor no. and things. So you've got the Welsh circuit and you've got a lot of Welsh speakers in the comedy circuit. That's what I was going to uh, say. It's um, When it comes to like match day and painting daffodils on your face and putting on your rugby top, yeah, that's good. But surely more should be done in regards to keeping the culture of Wales alive, i.e. the Welsh language. Now, I don't speak the Welsh language, no, 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 no. but... I feel I should, so I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it's like no, uh, I, but I don't think it's just about the Welsh language. I don't know Welsh language is important, and this is the other thing about Wales is we're split between Welsh speakers and English speakers. Yeah. and I think what is not recognised is the English speaking uh, Welsh community as part of the Welsh community, and it hasn't been. Even though then they were probably speaking Welsh, but I just don't know, like like the Chartist movement. Should be a big national pride thing for all of Wales. You know the Chartist. No, what's that? So Newport, um, the, Ch- uh, the Newport Rising uprising. Uh, basically, they were calling for basically all men to be having the vote. It was in the 1830s. So all men to have the vote under the, over the age of 21. Um, no rotten boroughs. You know proper constituencies. MPs to get a salary. Uh, I figure the other one. Well, annual parliament is the one I can remember. That's, we still haven't got that. I mean, it's elections every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, I said we've just got that now. Uh, recently, we've had elections every year. <laughs> <laughs> Not through choice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I forget the other one was. Yeah, it was basically the basically democracy. The, the, that was a movement to go democracy, and it was a it was an uprising, uh, and you know, it was a massacre. A dozen people died. 
and many were shipped off to Australia, which is actually another important story. Those people were shipped off to Australia were the ones who found minerals because they were old miners. Yeah. And mining experts. So Australia became rich because we shipped off all these miners to Australia. Ah. <laughs> and they found all this. Yeah. So, you know, we made Australia rich. So, um, and, but yeah, but that's like not really taught in schools or, you know. I've got to say, I'm, I had no idea of your, uh, historical knowledge. It's, it's, quite- I have, right. This is the thing. This is going to come out more in my comedy. I think, like, I didn't, I was been working on more my performance in the racing bit. Uh, but yeah, I have, I'm fascinated with history. I've really gone to age, age, oh, since my breakdown, I got really gone to ancient history. Okay. Because civilization fascinates me. What's fascinating about civilization is been here for a really short time. Yeah, yeah. And people don't think that. <laughs> like it's been here for 10,000 years. Man's been here for about a million years. The world has been here for millions and millions of years. You know, the universe has been here for billions of years. Yeah, we talk about this. We think this is permanent, this little sliver. <laughs> that, that's a very, very fascinating way to talk about it. Like, yeah. that sounds like the type of conversation, like, teenage stoners would be having. Like, yeah. I, that's why are I don't you sure you see the same red as I see? <laughs> this is why I don't take drugs, because I'm already high. So <laughs> I don't need them. <laughs> No, but I've, I've never really thought about it in those terms. That yeah, it really is in regards to civilization and even just the uh, the breakthroughs uh, we as a global community have made in yeah. regards to uh, to late twenties, early thirties nerds sitting down having a podcast on a yeah. on a Thursday afternoon, like yeah, you know, going from being essentially beasts of the land. To- Bas- yeah, basically, anyone can do a radio show, and this is what a podcast is. The radio was only invented a hundred years ago. Exactly. I mean, you know, this is this is how bonkers recent uh, developments have become. And you know, you know, and this is thinking, thanks to capitalism. <laughs> God bless capitalism. <laughs> but um, but then we also got to think. Well, when we talk about civilizations, we don't go. Well, actually, it's only probably got a bit good since about eighteen hundreds. <laughs> I mean, before then, you probably would toss up whether you want to live in a city or up behind a gatherer. I mean. That's a very good point. I mean, my uh, my understanding and knowledge of things like the Industrial Revolution mm. come very much from an art history background, yep. because I failed an art degree. Uh, I don't <laughs> I, I dropped out of an American Studies degree, so, you know, there which go. was the most useless degree to drop out of. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I had a day-long <laughs> seminar on the use of crayons, so <laughs> I, think, I think I may have beaten you on that one. Um, but, like, I see the Industrial Revolution in terms of advances in print. For example, like the, the Gutenberg Press. Oh, yeah, yeah. Movable typeface print being, uh, because that also was a, a massive cultural awakening, because oh, art yeah. and literature became available for the people. Yeah. It was, like, uh, essentially when everyone started getting the internet in their pocket. It was a really, really small analog version of that, because knowledge became available to people. Whereas before, art and books were very much held in the hands of the powerful and the the everyman didn't have access to these sort of things. Uh so as you, and yeah, you know, that was only really just over a hundred years ago that this stuff started becoming more and more accessible to the people. Yes. So and look how far we've come in that time. Just having that extra little drop of knowledge added into the global community. Yeah. Uh think where we're gonna be in a hundred years now where everyone has access to every single bit of information they want and cake farts 
in their pocket. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Are you. I don't know why this came into my mind last night. Um, I was talking to my partner about it. Did you ever see the video Cake Farts? No. no. Yeah, well, uh, for you, I'm not going to describe it, but for you and the listening audience, if it's still on the internet, have a look at Cake Farts. Tell me what you think. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so, we have talked a lot of things. <laughs> this t- is the one I'm like. In conversations, we'll start with one thing. It's just a nice game, even play with me. It's where can we take this conversation? Because every time we'll start off like something big, and then I'll just end up talking about, uh, you know, 15th century. Uh, cake farts. Yeah, cake farts. <laughs> <laughs> Tailor makers. I don't know. It's just the way I do. Because I, I find knowledge fascinating. And like I said, like the printing press. Yeah, uh, I think it all started with the printing press. But don't forget, the Chinese had it first. Because the Chinese always have it first. Well, they didn't <laughs> teach us that in university. They taught us these are crayons. This is no, this is because you, you're taught uh, Eurocentric view yeah. of the world. Yeah, and you know, then you go, oh, but the Chinese had paper money and printed presses, and yeah, so uh, you know, they were there first. What they didn't have is glass. Uh, that was probably the big thing. I didn't know that. No, so they used you their- are teaching me stuff, Mike. Wow. <laughs> so uh, their paper, they used everything for paper. So yeah, like paper lanterns. So everything was paper, and we invented glass. We had glass, so we didn't. We had glass for ages, but that you could do science equipment. You could have reading glasses. Yeah, that was probably the most big thing. If you could do reading, you can learn longer. It's all well and good introducing reading material to the people, but if they can actually they read, read yeah. it, so instead of like having twenty years of reading, let's say, uh, so you, you study, you you had forty, fifty, sixty years. So you you know, and I think usually intelligence comes. Like I feel like big works usually come after when you're forty. <laughs> when it comes to the challenge work, usually comes after, unless you're like one of those nutty geniuses, <laughs> uh, you know. But well, Mike, I, as I say, before we went uh, live on the mics, you were saying about you wanting to start your own podcast. And yes. Honestly, I absolutely massively encourage that because I don't know what uh, angle you'd be going for for it, but you have held not only a conversation perfectly throughout but a fascinating conversation believe it or not we are actually at the end of this episode <laughs> I, we? Know, I know well maybe that's a problem though i'll just talk about rubbish for that. <laughs> but you can then like separate yours into like you know six or seven episodes <laughs> yeah. um thank you so much for gracing me uh with your electricity your yeah. chest <laughs> letting me into your home uh Anytime you want to come back on the pod, dude, oh. just let me know. And I'm very much looking forward to... Would you like to plug the gig? Oh, so, yeah. So, I did Grange for a Laugh. That's in the pub in Grange... Uh, the Grange in Grangetown. Yeah. So, Grange for a Laugh is what I call it. <laughs> you know, we're all like a good pun. And uh, that's on the 29th of November, I think, on a Thursday. So, uh, and you'll be, be seeing Zach uh, performing on stage. You better come and see that one. It's lovely. Sober, no notepads. No, oh, <laughs> he's got to take it seriously because this is this is for some pro people. So Jenny oh, yeah. Collier is going to headline for us. Nice. Right? And uh, Dan Mitchell will be opening. So, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, shit. So I got my work cut out for me. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to plug? Um, so you said about the podcast. So my aim to start the podcast will be next year. So start recording some now and then put up next year. And you're running uh, the first ever Rough As franchise. Rough As has made oh, yeah. it out of Swansea. Yes, Rough As. I did. Uh, I hosted Rough As in Cardiff for the first time. That was on um, Monday, this Monday. So, um, yeah, it was really good. We had about 13 acts doing it. Uh, we're That's in North Star, the first Monday of uh, every month. So if anyone wants to try uh, comedy, come along and, you know, 
give you first go. This is a warm environment, you know, it's just... It might not uh, be a Rod Gilbert documentary, but God damn yeah, it, yes. everyone needs their start. <laughs> yes. Um, also, um, yeah, uh, we had uh, loads, loads of people doing the ultra comedy and they were doing it for the first time last time, so that was... Nice, nice, really nice. Um, yeah, and yeah, like that. <laughs> I like, I'm going to plug. I said the podcast, but it's just going to describe what it is. Ooh. Ah, I nearly okay. I nearly killed, nearly killed everyone. Very, very nearly just electrocuted us, but you didn't. And on that, we'll get out. Mike, thank you for not killing me. <laughs> thank you very much.